The scripture for today is from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant, who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife Sarah? And he said, There, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? And say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Oh yes, you did laugh. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. may be seated. Over the years, I have received an amazing amount of hospitality and love from others. In fact, uh, some of the most dis difficult times in our lives or some of the most uh, chaotic or stressful times in my family's lives uh, where others would come around us to help us weather some of those difficulties. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, how much a, uh, a meal brought by uh, can fill not just the belly, uh, but can help heal the soul, right? Yeah. And, uh, and when, when I was first starting in ministry, I was uh, a poor seminary student up in rural Virginia, and, uh, and Julie and I uh, found out that we were pregnant for the first time. And, uh, and we were staying at uh, the home where she grew up, which... Uh, over the years, had taken on quite a bit of age. Uh, there had been some places in the floor that uh, the floor had fallen in, and we had repaired it. And uh, we had the nice scenic view of you could look through certain portions of the wall and enjoy the fresh breeze coming through. And 
And so when we found out we were pregnant, we were thinking, this probably isn't the best housing situation in order to, uh, to, to raise our daughter in the first couple months of her life. And, and the hospitality that our church at the time I was pastoring, I was a student pastor at a three-point charge, uh, really kind of extended to us in that moment of bringing some meals by at, at different times. But, but one particular uh, friend of ours um, extended some hospitality in a way that changed our lives. Uh, she had a, an additional kind of rental home on her property, and she let us move into that house and live there in that house for about six months while I finished up school before we moved back down to Alabama. And she would come by at, uh, about an hour um, or a couple hours every afternoon and would come pick up lavender and walk her across the yard to her house and, and, and give us, uh, mainly Julia at the time, um, a, a, an extended period of time in the afternoon to uh, catch up on sleep and rest and, and just kind of recover as uh, we were both kind of trying to figure out what is this what does this parent thing look like what is what does it look like to become a family and a growing family and uh, and we've experienced that in just about everywhere that we've gone um, when we moved uh, down here to Alabama and we had our second child at the church that I was at they brought by some meals and some different things but uh, their hospitality was a little bit different. You see, um, when, when people bring by meals for my family, you have to know everybody else in my family except me, they're all vegetarians. So there is not a rib or a chicken wing. There's not a fried chicken. There's not a taco to be found. There's a lot of squash. There's a lot of tomatoes. There's a lot of casseroles. There's a lot of salads. And when I come into a new church sometimes and people bring by food, they bring by a lot of food for the family. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be the one preaching to you. <laughs> there is not a speck of red meat or pork in any of the dishes that come by. But the hospitality is really what touches the soul, right? It's the extension, that, that exposure of love, of support, of recognizing that we are not alone in this life. Uh, Jesus shared with uh, people that came to follow him and questioned him of, uh, of all the commandments that are in the scriptures, of the hundreds and hundreds of parts of the Jewish law, of what to do and what not to do. What is the greatest commandment that you could ever have? And Jesus ends up quoting the Shema, Jewish prayer, uh, that we shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so uh, some commentarians have said that it's this teaching right here, that if we get this part right, if we get loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself, everything else falls into place. Everything else in Scripture is commentary to those two teachings. And so when we get it right, everything falls into place, but when we get them wrong... Everything falls apart. Because hospitality is the heart of extending the love that we have from God uh, to others, but also to ourselves as well. This, this teaching, this greatest commandment that, that Jesus gave us is the heart of what it means to be filled with the very love of God, to have such a strong relationship with God that it flows into all of our other relationships into our appreciation and our love and extension of God's grace to others, but also to ourselves of who God has created us to be. Hospitality is the enactment 
of all of that love that God has poured into us now being poured into others as well. And in the purest sense, uh, hospitality kind of falls into the next comment that comes after that teaching when Jesus tells us to love our neighbors. Um, the, the Pharisees and some of the followers of Jesus, they had the very same question that, that we kind of do when Jesus tells us to, to love our neighbors. Is Our follow-up question is, well, who's our neighbor? Is our neighbor people that look like us? Is our neighbor people that think like us? Are they people that come from the same area as us? And Jesus ends up sharing a parable and a story of just what a neighbor looks like. And he shares that iconic parable of uh, the Good Samaritan, of what it looks like to put oneself out there, to take the first steps, to put yourself at risk in recognizing uh, the needs and the hopes and uh, the spaces that God plants us and always taking the first step to do good. And that looks so different for each and every one of us. Uh, but hospitality, uh, that way that we extend that love that God gives us into all of our other relationships, has a chance to change lives and to change the world. Because I know what it's done in my family, I know what it's done in our lives, when others forgave us first, when others extended some love and support during difficult times, just how much hope it gave us in those moments that things really could turn out okay. And so as we move our way through Genesis, uh, we find ourselves here in the next chapter of uh, Abraham's life. Last week we talked about the promise, the covenant that, that God bring to Abraham to call him away from his land, from his clan, from his family, into a foreign land, into the land of Canaan. Uh, all the way from uh, the Persian Gulf to the Mediterranean Sea, he travels uh, to this land that God promised him that something would happen. That he would take Abraham and his descendants and create from them uh, an incredible nation, which would become to be known as the people of God, which would come to be known as uh, those of the Jewish faith. And so, as of yet, Abram has traveled to the foreign land, but since then, where we find ourselves today in the Scripture, almost 25 years have passed. Abraham has uh, gone from about 75 to uh, just under 100. He's 99 years old. And Sarah has still not had a child. So of the offspring and of this promise of becoming a great nation, they've they attempted about 13 years ago to, to try to move that forward a, a little bit on their own, out of their own idea and their own brilliance and uh, out of their own sense of power, uh, Sarah and Abraham uh, took Hagar, one of their servants, and uh, through an abusive surrogacy uh, ended up having a child with Hagar named Ishmael. But that wasn't the fulfillment of the promise that God had yet promise to bring forth. Out of their own attempt to create the promise on their, their own, uh, they end up taking advantage of a young woman. And so God has promised that even now, 13 years later, there is still more of this promise to come. And so almost a quarter of a century after Abraham first received this promise, 
he finds himself waiting in the family tent in the heat of the day, and he sees three men approaching their tent. Now, this is not exactly a time in history where three people approaching your tent out in the middle of nowhere is a good thing. But Abraham sees this as an opportunity. And if you notice the verbs in the story, one of the, one of the, the, the fun things in Scripture is look at the verbs uh, that, that really kind of come to life in this Scripture. He runs, he hastens, he prepares, he refreshes, he stands. He, he does everything he possibly can to go out to these gentlemen that are coming up to them and to provide them some relief, some comfort, some refreshment, some food of spending time with them, of extending a gospel hospitality that is deeper than any of us would imagine at that moment. Because in the 25 years almost that he's been waiting, he hasn't lost faith, he hasn't lost practice, he hasn't drifted away from his faithfulness or say, well, God hasn't shown up for me, so I'm not going to show up for anybody else at this point as well. If, if anything else, uh, over the 24 years, almost to the 100-year to, to mark, it almost seems like he has even more urgency. More urgency to show up, to seek out, to find ways that he can take the faithfulness that he still has in God and pour it out so enthusiastically for others. I think the word hastened happened five times in the scripture that was read. There's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of rushing. There's a sense of doing everything we possibly can because he values not only these people that have come, but their time of sharing some space with them and caring for them as deeply as he possibly can. Now, we on the other side of the scripture reading it, we know that these are not just three everyday visitors. Our scripture starts out with the line that God appeared to Abraham. Now, Abraham saw three men, but we know that these are divine visitors. That God himself is coming down to speak to Abraham, to spend time with him. And Abraham serves God. Abraham entertains angels. Abraham shows up in a way that his faithfulness is not defined by what he thinks he's doing for God, but how he's pouring out for others for God. His faithfulness is characterized by his hospitality because he takes a step towards others first and finds hope, and finds purpose, and finds everything that he can do in this almost quarter century of waiting to still show up as faithfully as he believes that God will show up in God's promise. And it's in that moment, not as he was looking for some sort of reward, not as, look, as he was looking for some sort of payment, not as he was looking at some sort of return on the investment of faith that he's put in, but out of that extension in an everyday moment that he's been seeking out, that he gets the confirmation that God has not forgot him and his wife. That God's promise is not void, that this, all that this has been waiting for has not been lost on them, has not been wasted time, but has been time to continue to show up, to build and to show exactly what this kingdom of God looks like. 
and the people of God that will follow all of Abraham's descendants, God says that they will be unique among all the people surrounding them. They will be different. They will be set apart. They will treat others differently. And the extension for us as Christians in the way that Jesus continues this teaching in this kingdom, that Jesus says that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love each other. By the way that we love our neighbors. And we take those first steps forward when all the rest of the world hesitates or takes steps backwards. So often in our culture, in our society, we're, we're defined by the groups that we move closer towards or the groups that we move further away from. But as people of faith, we are surrounded every day with opportunities to take the first steps towards others. That our righteousness is characterized by the fact that our relationship with God, of all that hope and all that grace and all that joy that gets poured into us, that we don't hold on to it ourselves, but we take every opportunity to pour it out for others. That we take those first steps into times that are sometimes risky, that are sometimes uncomfortable, that sometimes put us in vulnerable positions, and we still find ways to expend grace and mercy. It's risky to be hospitable. Sometimes people shut doors in our faces. Sometimes people don't want to talk to us. Sometimes people don't like our casseroles. But we keep showing up time and time again. There is no time limit on the amount of space that God's grace can move in this life. There is no opportunity that is too small in order for us to show up fully in love and grace and mercy. Some of the foundational moments in my life happened because when I showed up to vacation Bible school, I had teachers that showed up and poured some grace and love and joy into me and taught me silly songs with silly dances and we made silly crafts that we took home that my mom put in boxes and hoped that I never recognized were missing anymore. But life happens when we show up with grace and with love, with mercy, and we extend the very hospitality that God has given us as freely and as richly as God has first given us, we pour it out as freely and as richly for others. And when we take those hospitable steps, when we take those first steps towards others in love and grace and mercy and joy and hope, not only do we change lives, but we change the space in which God has planted us. And when enough of us can do that, we fulfill that vision that the Spirit breathes into us, and we have a chance to change the world, to be a part of that final promise that God will make all things new. And it can begin today when we take the first step. Amen and amen. Will you pray with me today? Almighty and gracious God, we give you thanks. Lord, we give you thanks that you were the first one to move towards us. Lord, that you shaped us, you molded us, you had ideas about us, you fell in love with us, looked us face to face, and called us good. 
And you promise to pour your life into us, not that we can keep it on our own, but Lord, that we would be a vessel that would as freely pour it out as abundantly as you have first poured it out for us. Lord, help us to show hospitality. Help us to take the first steps, to learn uh, from what Abraham did in 25 years of waiting to grow even more urgent in the way that we show up for others. Lord, hospitality is in the welcoming of strangers. And there's been times in our lives where we have been the stranger, where we have been hurting, we have been lost, we have been in need of support and welcome and recognition of somebody saying that they see us and they see our hurt and our pain and someone showed up for us. And Lord, as richly as you have shown up, allow us to take the step towards others that we might be those that move towards others with your grace, your mercy, your joy, and your love as we follow in your footsteps out into this world. We do it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.